something I've been sensing that as a church community, we've been growing in both personally and corporately over the last little while. And I'm just going to head straight into the Word and, and just share a few thoughts on that this morning. So if you've got your Bible there or your phone there, swipe it open and head with me to Matthew chapter 4. And for a little bit of context here, it it might be a verse that you're quite familiar with, but it's when Jesus is tempted by the devil and he's been led into the desert by the prompting of the Holy Spirit for the testing and he's just come from being baptized and then after this time, he's then really launched into his ministry. And I'll just read from the start of chapter four. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he'll command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And like me, you might have read that many, many times, and there's so many things that we can take from those verses. But the one thing that's always just jumped out and hit me from the page is that word, if. If you are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God. And to me, it speaks of that challenge of his identity. And now by this point, Jesus knows who he is. He knows he's the Son of God. He, he's been studying the Word. He knows. He's starting to sense what his, his place is. So he's actually quite secure in who he is, yet that's the way that the devil tempts him. And it, it got me to thinking a lot about our identity and what that is. And one thing I notice in, particularly now, I believe it's more prevalent in our Australian societies, invariably when you meet someone, the question will come up, so what do you do with yourself? Or what do you do for work? Or how do you make a living? Or something like that. And those of you who know me would know that to that question, I would answer, I work as an osteopath. Um, and for those of you who don't know what that is, we work in the manual medicine world, so similar to physiotherapists, chiropractors in that sort of realm. And I love my job. I love what I do. I get to help people out. I get to treat brand new babies. It's, it's awesome. I love it. Um, but in the first couple of years of being an osteo, I soon found out that my job is quite physically demanding. And as much as I'd like to be, I'm never going to be the strongest person around. And so in those first few years, I had a few moments where I'd injured myself or I physically wasn't able to do this job. And that really concerned me. I thought, oh no, I've just spent five years at uni. I've done all these exams. I've spent all this time. I've racked up tens of thousands of dollars in hex debts. And am I only going to be able to do this for for two years or something? That's just, that's just weird. That's just a horrible thought. And What I learned over that time was that because I couldn't work and it was only short amounts of time, I started to feel like, oh, what use am I? I'm not achieving this. I'm not able to do this. I'm not able to help people. And I'd realized that ever so slightly, I'd wrapped up a little bit of my identity in what I do, in in what my profession was. And it was subtle, but I was noticing it was creeping in. So then when I stopped, I took that hit of, hang on, what am I doing? And that's where I think we can get a little bit 
into danger because if we stake what our identity is on something that is fleeting, that can be taken away just like that, then we're going to run into trouble. And as, as Christians, we do know that we have a God that is eternal. And so what I want to explore is that little bit of difference between something that is fleeting and something that is eternal. And a few other examples of that I thought of, there's many I could give, but one thing I thought of was that as parents, I would imagine, I'm not a parent yet, but I would imagine that as a mum or a dad, you spend so much time and energy and emotional focus on your kids. And that's all good. Obviously, that's an amazing thing to do. But again, things can change. Kids can move away. We can lose contact with kids, whatever might happen. And if we've wrapped up our whole identity in that, then again, we're going to run into trouble because as good as these things are, they are actually fleeting. And we're so bombarded at the moment with, with image, what, what we're meant to be like to be able to do things. We're too skinny, we're too fat, we're too tall, we look the wrong way, we speak the wrong way, we're told what we need to do, you know. We post a photo on Facebook and we keep checking back, seeing how many likes we've got, see, see if we've got the approval of others, see if we're performing well, see if our little profile fits what we think we should look like. And again, each of these things in themselves, there's nothing wrong with that, but I think, church, we need to be careful that we're not staking our identity on that because it can just be gone, just be gone in a moment. So we need to know what the Word says about that, our identity and who we are because if we're listening too much to what the world says about us, we're going to run into a bit of, a bit of strife. So if you do a Google search on verses about identity in the Bible, you will come up with many, many things. And I encourage you to do that. I'm sure there'll be something that can speak to you wherever you are. But there's just a few verses that I wanted to read over us today. In Ephesians 1.5, it says, In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. I love that, his pleasure and his will. In John 1.12, it said, Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And in Galatians, it says, You are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all who have been baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And that's really strong language, isn't it? We are heirs. We have a right according to his pleasure. That's amazing stuff. That's amazing stuff. And I tend to find, and if I take you back to Matthew 4 again, where Jesus is being tempted, I get this little picture of the devil kind of just pecking, like a little bird just pecking away at him, like, if you are the son of God. Peck, 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 peck. And I love that Jesus just says, no, it is written. I know who I am. And that's what happens to us, I think, in life. And those younger than me, those older than me will know that these little challenges just come up all the time, all the time. This little peck, 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 peck. And I'd just like to encourage us as a church to 
speak out the word of God in those instances because there is such power when we just speak it out, even if we don't quite feel it at the time. Just speak it out. Just claim that verse over you and say, you know what, I'm not going to have that mindset of an orphan where I'm not sure if I have a right to do this or the authority to do this. No, we need to step out in what God said we are. And I actually find that verse quite encouraging as well because I kind of think if the devil's trying to get at Jesus, he's going to send the whole army. He's going to send the full artillery. So when he comes after little old you and me, we're sort of challenged in the same way and I actually take comfort from that. And one thing that I notice in that as well is that straight after this, the next word down in my Bible, it says, then Jesus begins to preach and he steps out in what? He needs. It came before he stepped out into something new. Because church, the devil doesn't want a church. Barely get this out. (laughs) Filled with people who understand and live in their true identity. Because there's such power in that. And every time I've said that word, I can barely say it. Because there is such power in it. And the devil's always going to come and try and rob that from us. But we have the authority in Christ to stand up and be who we are and take our place as sons and daughters of God. Can I just pray of you before I hand over to Zed? Father, I just thank you that we're able to come to this place and declare your word over each other and encourage each other. And I just pray over each and every one today, Father, that you'll help them sense and realise who they truly are in you. So when there's been times that they've perhaps been a bit confused about their worth or identity, Father, that they know in you who they are because there is such power in that. And so I speak it out today that we will be people, that we will be a church so secure in our identity that the world will not help but see something different in that and we just thank you Holy Spirit that we can just follow your lead as a church and we just thank you that this campus of our church you've been investing into for all these years and that we're starting to grow and and rise up and I just speak over this year that it's going to be an amazing year as we have our theme of in you, in him where we find our being Father, so I just pray a seal over that word, just that every time a little something comes up, that we will go, no, I stand sure in my identity and my authority as a son or a daughter of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's my honour to hand over to Zed now. He's going to continue to bring the word. Amen. Amen. Um, just for the record, I am one of the young guns, uh, just so that we're not uh, confused about that. I, I think that um, what I'm about to share will work in perfectly, which is great. Um, I don't think I've been this nervous since my first Ironman, which was uh, in Foster, Tankari, and uh, I was one of those guys heaving in the bushes before actually doing the race. Uh, it's a quite a scary sort of thing when you first do your first Ironman, so bear with me. Um, I'm going to speak out of 1 Kings chapter 17, 
Uh, there's no need to go there. I'll give you a bit of a background of the story. Um, during the time of the kings, especially there, especially in 1 Kings chapter 16, you'll see that a lot of the kings and the children of Israel made God quite unhappy. In fact, they set up a whole bunch of idols and they began worshipping Baal and so on. And the last king that comes before 1, chapter, 1 Kings chapter 17 is Ahab and he's married Jezebel. And we've probably heard about Jezebel and they built a temple to Baal. And that really infuriated God. In fact, it's said there that Ahab actually made God more angry than all the other kings before him. So he was a well-performing king. Uh, it was a 10 out of 10 performance. And so in 1 Kings chapter 17, all of a sudden this guy Elijah appears. And we don't know anything about him. He just appears. In fact, uh, there's no lineage about him. There's nothing about his father or his mother. As you know, in the Bible, there's some very good things about lineage. You know, the son of, who was the uncle of, and the auntie and the godmother of, and then the children who bore that son who had a house down the road and so on. There's a lot of that in the Bible. And so you get a bit of a picture about who someone is. But we don't know anything about Elijah. And uh, when we were at Bible college, I used to always get them mixed up. There used to be Elijah and Elisha, who came first, who did what, and, and so on. But Elijah comes first, and he's really probably in essence a nobody. And what happens is he comes along and he says to the king, he says, Okay, Ahab, uh, according to the God of Israel, whom I'm a servant, there's going to be no rain or any dew until I say so. And then he is then asked by God to go and hide because obviously that created a bit of a problem. It would be like me going up to our current Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull, and saying there's not going to be any rain and so on. And, and then I vanish from nowhere and, and so on. See, in, in our lives, Amber and I went through a fairly difficult time when it came to our finances. We had a number of businesses that went down the gurgler. And uh, I suppose a lot of that was me doing it my own way. Who has had a go at doing it their own way? And mine was a little bit like, God, I'm going to do this and now I need you to bless it. I have a plan and I need you to work my plan <laughs> for me. And so I went about doing that and uh, we had some success. Stuart was along for the ride and uh, I was hoping Stuart would guide me a little more, but he didn't and, and left me in the lurch. Uh, no, no, he didn't. He was a very supportive friend. Let me do what I needed to do and, and let God do what he needed to do. And so we were at a point where there were just no finances whatsoever. And we had uh, two weeks to go before we had to move out of the place we were in. And we had nowhere to live. And so it really came down to a point of God really putting some pressure on us to really trust him. You know, trusting God in that hour of need is, is really cool. We all know about that. We've all got to trust God. But when God puts pressure on you to trust him, it all makes a lot more sense. Uh, we had to move out of the house that we were in with nowhere to live and we had really very little money to pay for any kind of rent. And so for any of you that know where we live now, you would know that what God did in the next couple of weeks was a real miracle, trusting in him to, to get it done. And sometimes, you know, God was really pressing on my heart, was saying, look, who, who really is on the throne of your life? Who, who's on the throne? 
when are you really going to trust me for the things that you need? It doesn't mean that I sleep in till 11 and then go bike riding until 3 and then pick up my kids. Although I have fantasised about that every day of my life for a long time. <laughs> well, I should get up at 10, then I go riding. No, the, the idea is that you can still get out there and do what you need to do, but there is a trusting in God or a level of trust in God to actually provide for you. Now, we have gone through probably around about two years. Can I say it's about two years? Where God has provided at every turn. And it's been a very uncomfortable situation. It's not me. I'm a, I'm a bit of a go out there and get it. For those of you who ride with me, you, you know that. And so I, I like to be in control. Who likes to be in control? Yeah, there's no, well, some of you. Some of you like to be in control. We all want to be in control. It's like, it's like driving our cars. You know, we're in control and we want to drive where we want to drive. And so for a lot of the time, I was out of control. God was doing what he needed to do. In fact, there was a time there where, where Amber was complaining about the lack of uh, effort I was making to get a job. And so I said to her, I said, what if God gets you a job? And of course, the phone rang 10 minutes later and Amber was offered a job. And, uh, and so therefore I could sleep in <laughs> and go riding. Uh, no, but see... God, God was working. God was doing things in our lives. And so we had to really trust in him. And here's this guy, Elijah, who comes out and says this thing to the king of the land. And you could probably only do that if you really actually trusted God. To believe in what God is doing in your life and to actually do what he's asking you to do and to trust in him to provide or to guide you in where you're going. Is it going to be easy? Probably not. The next thing that happened to Elijah is he's by the brook and he's just drinking water and getting fed by the ravens. And it felt like that we were being fed by ravens because we weren't really making any headway into our debt. And there's still a substantial amount there, but I know God's working on that. But we paid for our school fees and we paid for our rent and we paid for these cars that probably we shouldn't have. Although I love my cars. And any guy would tell you that. But see, God was doing something and we had to trust him. And so perhaps the challenge for us this year is that where is God and is he on the throne of your life? Do you trust him as much as you think you do? And sometimes we get placed in these situations where we get this pressure put on us to trust him, to do things in our lives and to walk in ways that perhaps we're not used to. I didn't particularly like it at first, but now I've got used to it. And I think that having you as a church family has been fantastic because a lot of you and some of you here today have supported us in that. And so we need to walk together with each other and know that God is working in our lives and know that God can walk through our lives and you can trust in him and have all the people around you to go with that. You know, and I think that, you know, Elijah... He went out and did all this amazing stuff. And I think God also was saying to me, I needed to have my own story. It's really easy to believe what happened back there. Easy. Because it happened back there. If, it, if it's happening to you at the time, it's not so, not so pleasant, not so easy to walk through. But once you do, you have a story. We overcame the enemy by what? The, the blood of the lamb 
and our word of our testimony. We have stories to tell, and you only have stories to tell if you walk through stuff. Yeah, you, you walk through stuff. And so I wanted to have my own stories to tell. And really, probably, you don't really want to be asking God that because God will accommodate you <laughs> and give you a story and work on stuff in your life. And so I think, you know, like, you know, we had this, this, this challenge for us to really rely on God financially because I wanted to see some financial breakthroughs in various areas. And Stuart and I had some various goals on these things. But perhaps Stu was thinking about God doing it, but I was thinking about me doing it and God helping me out. But it doesn't go that way. You know, we needed God to, to work through it and God had other ideas. And so God had to trust us. And so we've been living by the brook, if you like, and being fed by the ravens. You know, I get my free coffee down at Odo's because I wear a special kit when I go riding. I think it's a bit of a raven thing, but I get a free one. You know, and God's been really good. God has been a real blessing. And so I think if there's a time where we can trust God to do what he needs to do in our lives, uh, you'll be blessed. And, you gotta, and one of the favorite things Stu always tells me, hang in there. Hang in there. How's it going? Hang in there. I'm hanging, dude. I'm hanging. I'm hanging. <laughs> And so we've got to hang in there. And thank you very much for that. I think our identities are important, you know, like you were just talking to me in that. Casey, it's time for you to teach us some more stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Well, hi, everyone. Who's receiving from today already? Me too. Ah, well, um, thank you guys. We've had two awesome messages so far. And I love it when there's common themes um, throughout. We all were asked individually and went away individually and prepared our messages. And um, obviously God is speaking and I'm believing that he's going to continue to speak. So just before we start, I'd just like to pray over us. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place. Thank you for what you've already spoken. And Father, we say that you're the one that we've come to hear from today. And so we invite you to continue to speak. We say we're on heaven's agenda today. In Jesus' name. Great. Well, we are going to jump straight into it. So why don't you open your Bibles to Matthew 16. Tell me when you're there. Beauty. So we're going to pick it up from verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, I think that's how you pronounce it, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound on heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven." Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. So let's just go back to verse 15. I love that question that Jesus asked Peter. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? In 2016, who do you say that Jesus is? Who is he in your life today? Who is he for this season that you're entering into? I really believe, as I was praying, I felt like this is a question for us as a church and individuals that the Lord is posing to us today. Who do you say that I am? I really believe that the desire in the heart of God is to be known by his people. Um, I love how, you know, in the Bible, we see so many facets of God's identity and who he is through all the different names that he gave himself. But the number one name that Jesus referred to God as was Father. So God is a lot of things. God is our healer. God is our comforter. God is our deliverer. But overall, God is our Father, and He is a really, really good Father. And a good Father always shows up for His children. And you know, I think that there's a very, very big difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone personally. So, for example, I am a Beyonce fan. So do we have any other Beyonce fans in here? No, me neither. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I could listen to every single one of Beyonce's albums. I could search the internet, like, all day long and find out all the information that there is. But if Beyonce is going through a hard time, she's probably not going to call me up and ask some help. If she needs something done, she's probably not going to, oh, where's Casey? I'll get her to do that for me. I mean, I, if people asked me, I couldn't exactly refer to myself as a close and personal friend of Beyonce. And I know that for a lot of us, that's a really sad reality today. Um, and if you'd like prayer into that, I would be more than happy to pray for you. Um, You know, there's a big difference between knowing about someone and knowing them personally. And I feel like the Lord really illustrated this to me when when I was a kid. I forget exactly what age I was, but around, like roughly between the ages of like 10 and 13, I had this dream. I don't know about anyone else, but I am a big dreamer. And I feel like that's one area where the Lord really likes to speak to me and So I often have these dreams. But this one day, it's a little, you know, let's just say 10-year-old kid. I have this dream that it's my wedding day, which is, you know, every little girl's dream. And um, 
So in this dream, I'm like, okay, today's the day. It's time to get everything ready. So in my dream, I'm getting my dress ready. I'm arranging the flowers. I'm like organizing all the tables, like just getting everything sorted. And, um, and at this time, I should mention, I grew up in an amazing Christian family. My parents are here. They've come to support me, which is lovely, and my best friend too. Um, and we were always very involved in church. I was that um, kid in Sunday school that was annoying because I always had all the answers, you know, like, um, you know, awesome, beautiful Christian family and Christian upbringing. And, uh, and I was volunteering at church. My mum was a worship director. We lived in New Zealand. And um, from a young age, I got involved, you know, singing in choir and then like singing backing vocals and stuff. Um, and so I was serving and I was a part of this church and, you know. Anyway, so I had this dream and I'm doing everything. And once I get to the point that I feel like everything is just ready to go, I start walking down the aisle and this thought suddenly hits me like a ton of bricks. Who did I do all of this for? Like, who am I marrying? I don't, why did I just do all of this stuff? I don't even know who I've done it for. And I look, I look down this aisle and I can't, I don't recognize the person that I see. And in that moment, I felt like the Lord said to me, You've been doing all this stuff for me, but you don't know who I am. And, um, you know, any time I believe that God poses that question, who do you say that I am? It's an invitation for him to reveal himself to you. And I believe that all of us today um, have that invitation from God to, for him to reveal himself more to us. So we'll pick it up again. So verse 16, Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 17 says, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I love that because Jesus asks Simon Peter, a question that he literally gives him the answer to. And Jesus will never ask us a question that he doesn't already have an answer to and isn't prepared to give us an answer to. So encountering God's identity. You know, something else that I love, like exactly what Tani was saying, um, knowing our identity. As you keep reading, Jesus begins to say, you know, I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. And he goes on and, and just talks about Peter's destiny. I really believe that in the place of learning God's identity, we learn our own identity. And, um, and our history is rewritten and God gives us a purpose and a hope and a future. So uh, I think we might spend a little bit of time. I just want to give us room to just respond to what the Lord's been saying to us today. Uh, Steve, if we could grab some guitar, that would be awesome. Um, so 
if there's anything that you feel like today that the Lord really highlighted to you, um, yeah, we'd love to just give you a chance to just be able to respond to that and to be able to encounter God's identity to, like Zed was saying, encounter his provision and who he is and for God to just release our own identities. But uh, why don't you just close your eyes? We're just going to spend a bit of time praying. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you're a good, good father and that you love us. God, and as the perfect father that you desire to be a part of every moment of every day of our lives, Lord, that you're not okay with being a weekend father. God, that you want to be with us and walk with us. God, we thank you that your name is Emmanuel. Your name is God with us that your name is Jehovah Rapha, that you're God who heals. Thank you, you're God the provider. You're God when we're walking through a storm, that you are God our peace. You are God our refuge. You are God our strong tower. God, and right now in this moment, I just want to encourage everyone, wherever you're sitting, just to ask, spend a minute or two right now, just asking God, God, who do you want to be for me? Who do you want to be for me in 2016? As a student at school, when I'm sitting in my classroom, who do you want to be for me? When I'm sitting at work, who do you want to be for me? As a mother of kids, God, who do you want to be for me? One phrase that I got um, just as I was preparing um, for today is that I feel like the Lord wants to shift and to break some lies. You know, I don't know everybody super well here today. I don't know, you know, your story. Hopefully one day I'll be able to, you know, find out. But if you've ever been told that you know, God isn't good or I don't know. I just feel that like there are some things along the way that people have made an agreement with and God is saying to you, that's not who I am. You know, maybe God didn't show up for you in a way you were asking him to and you believe that God isn't going to show up for you. He's saying, that's not who I am. That's not who I am. I'm the God that shows up for you. Yeah, Jesus, we just invite you to come and to make all things new. To come.
come and to make all things new. Just pour out your goodness, God. Pour out the revelation of who you are. God, like Bill Johnson says that, you know, you're not the caretaker of an orphanage. You're a father. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, well, if you're... If anybody here feels like you want to receive prayer or respond to the message, you're most welcome to come forward and um, the three of us will be here and we'll be more than pleased to pray with you. Otherwise, I'll hand it on to Stu. Thank you, Casey. That's amazing. Yeah, let's put our hands together. Wow, three great messages, hey? We're just going to continue in this time of, of prayer and worship. We will close our service now. But, uh, but if you would like prayer uh, from, from either or any of those who spoke this morning, uh, Tani, Zed or Casey, then feel free to come out the front uh, and we'll just spend time ministering to you. I'll just allow God to you know, impart what he's revealed to them to you uh, and you can be blessed as a result of it. So God bless you. Thanks for coming this morning. Have a great week ahead. Uh, the journey's not over yet. We've still got more to do. God bless.